Hey, how's it going? This is Billy. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Coffee Talk with Billy and Coffee Jen. Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, I don't know if, you, if you're a, a, a regular viewer or listener um, on our TV show. Coming live, podcast. you know. Yeah. Um, but to, yeah. my favorite part, our good friend Grace Fuller is actually at the end of this podcast, you'll hear her. It's my favorite part of our podcast, and she has the most wonderful accent. It's not British. It's an authentic She's Australian. Australian, yep. And, accent. But it sounds like a British accent. It's beautiful. And I'm so grateful to Grace because she's at the very end. She's like, thank you for listening to Coffee Talk would, with would Billy you, and Jen. Would you love me more if I had a British accent? Love you more? I don't think I can actually <laughs> love you any more than I do. But um, nailed it. But uh, <laughs> nailed would it. I be grateful if you could just try to talk like a British woman? All the time. <laughs> Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Um, I hope you've been enjoying the weather. If you're, we're in Seattle, and the last few weeks or so, it's been gorgeous, hit or miss. But I mean, we've had days in the 80s, sunny. There is nothing like the best kept secret of Seattle is yes, it rains all the time, but But when that sun comes out, man, it it hits the the water and the mountains just explode. It's so green. Oh. Yeah, um, if you've never been to Seattle, come. This is a we've really been taking advantage of it. Come. I've grilled almost every evening. Bonfires. It's like and a fake summer. Out. Yeah, we've been doing bonfires. Speaking of bonfires, I, I have a fully enclosed wood burning yeah, bonfire. Tell, pit. tell, tell, tell. And this about is this. the second this time is, my neighbors, and uh-huh. I hope you're listening to this, neighbors have called the fire Serious. department. So fire department, and like. Uppy around here. Fire department shows up to my house and they're like, "Sir, you have to put out the fire." I'm like, "Why? Am I breaking the law? Like, it's fully enclosed." Okay, it's I'm, not an open I'm watching flame. a movie and I look back and there's two firefighters standing over me. These handsome firefighter guys. I'm like, "Dude, what are you doing in my house?" Uh, okay, you felt the need to throw in the word. Handsome. I did, had no idea that my son <laughs> let him in. I'm like, "What? What's happening?" It's such a random fact. Why do they have to be handsome? I, I, I you know what? I think if you want me to get their number for you. I mean, maybe or... the girls who are listening would agree. Firefighters in general, they're they're handsome. Because like, they flirt with death. It's a thing, and you I know? I'm, I thought they were handsome as well. <laughs> but they're like, hey, we have to, by, by law, you have to put the fire out. I'm like, am I breaking a law? And he's and I was actually really, they were really cool, and I was super respectful. They were kind of annoyed yeah, that they, they, were they had to, to be come there. Out. Yeah. I'm like, am I breaking a law? He's like, no, welcome to living in this part of Seattle. We kind of live in a bougie part. Where people complain about everything. Oh, my goodness. I guess there's air quality. As if quality. they don't have a cause. Air quality. Air quality. Like, so, have you been to Seattle? It's the best air around. Like, what did we do to stick it to the neighbors? I went out the very next day to Home Depot and I bought a propane gas fireplace. I put it on the patio and I cranked my music the next night so they could <laughs> look out their windows. Then we got a complaint. I was like, how you like me now? How do you like me now? <laughs> oh, we're the... Do goes, something. When we moved do in, something. it was like, there goes the neighborhood for sure. <laughs> but regardless of that, uh, we love our neighbors. Be kind we to do. your neighbors. We do love them. Um, We're trying our best. We've been enjoying the weather. I hope you've been enjoying the weather, which leads me kind of to our topic. I will say this, and this is a true thought. I thought about this the other day, which is what made me want to talk about this today. Um, I have recognized with all this sun, shadows. Living in Seattle for the last 13 years, I realize how often we don't see shadows or shade because it's always cloudy. It's always overcast. It's not always (laughs) raining, but it's pretty much always overcast. And I think shadows are beautiful. And like they cast all these beautiful, and it's, it dawned on me, I was like, my goodness, like I forget shadows and like how they create like these picturesque moments. And the only reason you have shadows is because sun. And so I'd like to kind of come from the theme today, if you'll let me be a little artsy, babe. Ooh, um, excited. The shadow proves the sunshine. Ooh. 
It's like, like a book title or a song title. Or... Well, it is a song title by a group called Switchfoot. <laughs> oh, so you stole that. <laughs> hey, we'd love a sponsor, guys, Switchfoot. Um, but no, I think, you know, <laughs> the shadow does prove the sunshine. You actually, I realize we don't see shadows in Seattle because the sun isn't out very often. So you don't see shadows. But when the sun's out, there's going to be shadows. And I think kind of coming from the theme like um, difficult times in life can sometimes lead to good. And I want to talk about that today, like finding purpose in the pain or meaning in the mess or hope in the havoc, or I could just keep going all day long, <laughs> reason to the rain. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that good, didn't work. Okay. No, that was a good one. Okay. Um, like, you know, this kind of thought of like, um, just because something's bad doesn't mean there isn't ultimate good. And the shadow can, in fact, be proof of the sunshine. I remember growing up... Um, when I'd go through hard times, older people in my life, whether it was parents or you know people in the church, they'd say, there must be a great plan for your life, young man. That's why you're going through these hard times. And I literally was so, so angry at that. Yeah, like, what? Frustrating. So the only way for me to do something awesome... It's to go through terrible, to go terrible. through hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but now that I'm 42, I've kind of come to discover that many times, I'm not going to say all the times, but many times, the shadow does prove the sunshine. Mm-hmm. That there is... Um, I'll put it this way, and this is one of my favorite quotes. Sometimes truth registers best on the other side of complexity. Wow. Meaning, um, you know, sometimes you you understand more fully when you've gone through it. That's the truth. Um, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was your dad who used to say, never trust someone without a limp. Mm. And what he was saying, which I think is a cool thought, is like, hey, if they haven't gone through it, if they don't have war wounds, if they haven't gone through pain... And that pain, because it's like someone who limps, it's like, oh, you know, oh, you know, you've had a you little, get you've it, you can relate life. with yeah. me, you can understand because you've gone through pain. And I think that in of itself is the upside to difficult seasons. You can help other people like, hey, man, I may not know your exact circumstances, but I know what you it is empathy. to go through pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's better than just offering people sunglasses and Advil. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, no, 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 the pain is real. I've been through the pain. I limp from the pain. And I'm on the other side now. That right there yeah. is an upside to it. But I kind of want to, if we can, babe, can we take um, just the next few minutes we have on this podcast today, and I'll kind of ask us a couple questions along this topic, and let's just have a discussion. And I think um, question number one, um, can good, let's just go out from, let's just go from the beginning. Can good come from bad? Do we? Do you believe that good can come out of bad? Um, yeah, personally, absolutely, because I've experienced that. Right. Um, I, I think of the situation with our daughter. She wouldn't be alive and healthy, functioning. Um, that's, I, if, that's right. If I hadn't gone that's through absolutely right. the season I went through that ended up saving her life, but in that moment of pain and tragedy, personally, I had no idea. Brilliant. And I if you couldn't don't figure out why I was going through what I was going through. I don't know if we've through. shared the story on the podcast before, but when you were 22, you had a stroke. Literally had a stroke, went temporarily blind, and come to find out, you know, a couple of days, a week like later, months, yeah. realized that you had a, a heart defect called ASD, and they had to do open heart surgery. Um, I mean, it was it was an ordeal, it was and we've talked about that before. They had to literally cut your sternum. You, I mean, it was a big deal. And I remember in the midst of, especially when we first found out, of kind of asking God, like, why, like, why, why my wife? 
your maiden name was Snow, Jennifer Snow, and you were as pure as the driven snow. Like okay. I'm like, if there's anyone who's sinless on this planet okay. other than Jesus, a little too ahead it's of Jennifer Snow. <laughs> Honestly, I sometimes wonder why That's God didn't keep you true. for himself. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, and you're, so you're getting off target here. <laughs> if I had to have heart surgery, well, I kind of deserve that. I'd be like, yeah, you had that coming, man. Like your oh past gosh. sins have come back to haunt you, right? But you. I'm like, why Jen? This woman who's just kind of like, just been pure. And I mean, you're, I'm, I'm jo- you're not perfect. You're being dramatic. I love that. But I remember asking, like, why? It wouldn't be for two years later, till two years later, that we would kind of yeah. get the answer of why bad had to happen so that good could happen. When you were pregnant, they after this heart surgery. With my third child. They monitored, monitored you so much more than they ever would Multiple a normal times pregnancy. a month. Multiple times a month month because of your heart defect. And they were looking at serenity. To see if she had a birth defect. To see if she had a heart defect. Yep. In the eighth month, they never found a heart defect. But because they were looking so closely, all these specialists, because of your previous condition. And the stroke, the heart surgery, all of it. She had a brain condition called hydrocephalus. They found it in the womb. And it it didn't even appear or happen on her brain until the eighth month. Right. But they found it ahead of time. They induced labor. And when Serenity came out, they they assumed because hydrocephalus is kind of like swelling. It's fluid on the brain. So the head And there was so big. much they saw on the brain in the womb that they were quite sure that she would have cross-eyed vision problem and her head would be abnormally Very large, large. when she was born. Well, yeah. when she was born, she was perfect. She, she looked, looked perfect. like nothing. They so much well. so that they actually went and tested her again right away. Mm-hmm. I went with them. They're like, we're going to take your baby. I'm like, she ain't going nowhere without me. I've Seriously. seen too many of those Lifetime movies where the babies get switched. Get switched or kidnapped <laughs> so, or- <laughs> That's another story. Like so I followed every, and sure enough, she did have hydrocephalus. Here's the crazy thing: <clears throat> had you not had heart surgery two years before, and then you know label your pregnancy as high risk, and then monitor it, Serenity would have been born with no apparent from the outside symptoms, right? And the only way we would have found out that she had hydrocephalus would have been three, four months down the road when her head was swollen. And at that point, they said brain damage would have, she would have already had brain damage. Mm -hmm. She would already had permanent things that could have happened. We would have never known. Until it was too late. The only way we knew, until it was too late, the only way we knew is because they were checking only because you had had. And so you can almost say like, you Mm -hmm. having a stroke and having to go through heart surgery two years before, which was terrible, resulted in our daughter Actually, she's living, perfectly living normal. Yeah, and Serenity's brilliant. She gets straight A's in school. She's an athlete. She's she's just it's the best. Serenity lights up the room when she walks in yeah. the room. I mean that. I mean, there's not a better story of how bad can turn to good. I can't think of and, one. And in the moment when you're going through something so painful or so bad, it is so hard to think about. Okay, this could be. This could be helpful, or this is going to cause this little girl to be healthy. I mean, like you can't think that way when you're in those moments, and I think that's the challenge of you know being in living in a painful moment. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what your faith is, but you know, and what you believe when it comes to God and stuff. But deicide, the death of God. I mean, that to me is just a very clear picture in the faith world of how the ultimate, the worst bad in the history of the world, the death of God on a cross, Jesus died on a cross, could result in the greatest good, which is the salvation of all mankind. God died. Could you imagine, had you been there on that day, you know, if you read the scriptures and Jesus is on the cross and he dies, and it says that the, the sky turned black, the earth shook, there was a massive earthquake, you know, like, and, you know, if you're standing there, if you're Mary, the mother of Jesus, you're like, what how is this good? in the world? Like, I think that was God, and I think he's dead. 
And in fact, he was. And three days later, rose from the dead and gives forgiveness to all of humanity, us. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's like the worst thing that could possibly happen in the history of humanity resulting in the best thing, which is salvation, is hope, uh, forgiveness. I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. So I think to answer the question, can good come out of bad? Absolutely. Um, maybe we can take it a step further. How do we find the good in the midst of the bad? So if good can come out of bad, great. But how do we... Um, find good in the midst of the bad. I before we answer, can I just give like my first like part one answer to this? Sometimes I don't think you can. Yeah. Sometimes I actually don't think you can. I think it only comes in retrospect. That was definitely the case with you and I when you had that heart surgery. It's like how what was the point of that? That's just bad all around, but we realized two half years later, no that was really good. Thank you. Like we're actually thanking God. So thankful that you had to go through that because yeah. it saved our daughter. You know, and any parent would choose to do that. Um, so sometimes I think you can't actually see the good when you're in the bad. Yeah, that's remember, real. like when um, you you would be disciplined by your parents. I remember my father, like before he would discipline me, which he would spank me. You know, he was a good dad, never abused me, but he definitely spanked me. And he'd be like, Billy, I'm doing this for you. For your good. <laughs> I remember being like, like really? Because it doesn't... <laughs> Feel like that. This is like, hey, Billy, really painful. This is because I love you. Oh, you love me. Right? <laughs> like, it was impossible for me as a four-year-old or a six-year-old to, to see how this is good. It's good. Sometimes you just or can't in the moment. In the future. You can't in the moment see it. I think there are times we can't. Oh, babe, I don't know if I even told you this. Oh, yeah. you. A good friend of ours was hanging out with our daughter, Serenity. Um, and she's a great friend. And she kind of helps mentor our daughter and we're so grateful for her anam anamacy she's got a youtube channel you should check it out what's the name of it sponsor i can't remember uh, anam loves but anyways anam was like hey i was hanging with serena the other day and she just randomly just was like i have such a good mom and dad like Aww. they love me so much and what anam didn't know is that Serenity just recently has been like, we've had to put her on restriction with her phone for a few things. And we had we actually had a hard conversation with our daughter. Who's the best? And I love her. And her response, she's just, she's 14, but she might as well she be 23. Really yeah. well. But she actually was on restriction from her phone. So when she was hanging out with a Nam that day, like we've taken her phone away for a bit. And even in the midst of that, our daughter, like which it literally makes me want to give her her phone back and a thousand dollars. You know, like she's like, my parents really love me. Like they really do. I know they do. You know, and she's saying that yeah. on on restriction, which, you know, is our daughter the best? And, and this yes. is like a week and a half into <laughs> us taking her phone away. And I think ultimately she really realized as you know, a few days later that this is actually probably really good. And she's actually glad that she was able to be honest with us and open up and, and feel like there's healthy boundaries as she's growing and learning. And I was shocked yeah. that she could actually see that. Totally. That's rare. Right. I think it can happen. But I would say most times... It's very, very difficult to see in the moment how this will be good. So, babe, to answer that question, let's go back to it. So uh, first, the answer is do how do we find the good, good. in the midst of the bad? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes and just, you don't. So live with that. You know, sorry, but not sorry. Sometimes you just are not going to find the good. Um, what about, are there, are there other ways that you think we can, we can see good in the midst of that? Like, how did serenity do that? And how, what are some of the... I think I think first of all, when something is it's tragic or you've lost a loved one and nothing makes sense because it doesn't make sense. You can't explain why someone died. You can't explain the pain. Pain is real, and bad things that happen 
for no apparent reason. It's a real thing. And I think I've learned just to be in the moment, even in those painful moments, is like I kind of need to embrace the fact that I, I'm really sad. I'm sad that I've lost this loved one and and I'm not going to get over that overnight. And I think people, we have to give ourselves a pass sometimes in life that when when tragedy hits, you don't have to figure it out right now. You yeah. don't have to have all the answers. Allow like, yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to really be in the moment. and But then maybe days... Almost embrace the pain. Yeah, months, I mean, sometimes... You know, months later, there is a time that we do have to make a conscious decision to move forward in the pain. And I think that's the only way I got through those seasons is I made a decision. I cannot live here forever. And I had to move forward in the pain. I love that. And day after day, really what's crazy is it got easier when I made that decision that I'm going to do this. I mean, I can move forward. It, it does get easier. I love that you just said my name. You're like, you know what's crazy, Billy? Thank you, Jennifer. Um, <laughs> you're getting so emphatic, and I love it. Um, but you said move forward in, in the, the pain. pain. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is if we ignore the pain, there's no way you're going to see the meaning to the to the mess you're in if you refuse to to acknowledge. And it, help, it helps you. It makes it easier. You're in it, man. It, it does get easier. Yeah. It does. Can I say this? And trying to be practical and to answer the question, how do we find the good in the midst of the bad? Maybe this will help. I think for me, I have found the in, the in the few times that I've been able to be in a bad, difficult, challenging season, a shadow, um, being metaphorical here, one of the ways that I was able to see the sunshine and realize that this could be for good is just perspective, getting a new perspective. So the question is, like, well, then how do I get new perspective? Because if we could all just get new perspective, then that'd be great. Like if I could just see it through a different angle, like, you know, perspective changes everything. You and I could be looking at the exact same object, but you're looking at it at eye level from five feet away. And I'm looking at it from 70 feet above. Like what you see and what I see, it's the same thing, but we see it totally different. Right. And so I think one of the ways to change your perspective, just to be practical is to change your position Mm. just to be, I mean, I know I'm being so practical and Take this for what it's worth. But like, for instance, and I, I think I've said this before, but like if you're driving a car and there's a blind spot, um, I look in my mirror. We all know that. Like you look and there's a blind spot. The only way to see if there's actually something in that blind spot, the only way is to actually move. You have to lean over. You have to, you have to crane your neck. Me, I lean over the center console. And then all of a sudden, what I couldn't see, you can see now. I now see. I think if yes. you're going to change your perspective, then you're going to have to move your position. You actually can't see it sometimes until you make a That's move. So, so I good. think changing your pers- position as practical as that is. So, what does that mean? Change the way you see, like. Does that mean step out? Does that mean step away from relationship? Does that mean talk to a different person? Get someone else's advice? Does that mean go take a walk? Take a like, new job? Just, does that mean move to a new city? Yep. I mean, it could be big. It, it could be, be small. small. Yeah, it could be like for you. It's like maybe you need to get out and go hang out with friends it, more. Or maybe you need to stop hanging out with friends because you're just masking everything and sit at home in silence with a cup of coffee by a candle. You know what I'm saying? Like change your position so that you can get a new perspective. And I think that could then reveal the purpose behind whatever it is you're going through. Potentially. This is like super practical, but I remember after having my first baby, I started feeling a little depressed and kind of that postpartum kind of stuff. And I was kind of feeling discouraged, like overwhelmed by this little little human being I never met before. And now I have to live with him for the rest of my life. I mean, that's kind of crude, but I was feeling overwhelmed with nursing and all the new stuff that moms face. And I remember I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got to go outside. I took a walk. 
I went to the mall and I was, I felt like a different person. It was just like you said, I moved out of my home that I'd been in for like 14 days recovering from delivery. And I got outside and I was like, Oh, life is good. Okay. I think I can be a good mom. And it it was just moving. How do you get fresh perspective? Yeah. Move, man. Can I, I remember, I'm going to tell a story. Is that okay? I I just remind me of the story. Grow up in high school. I like your story. Grew up in Chicago, went to a really rough high school, the kind of high school that like you couldn't wear certain colors because there were gangs. We had walked through metal detectors going through this high school. Um, and I'll never forget my first like week of school. I saw my first fight and it was this, it was this guy. He was, his name was Barrett. He was kind of an urban legend that I had heard of. Apparently he was like a five star, um, member of the GDs, which was a gang in Chicago. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of thought it was all like urban myth, but I'll never forget seeing this dude. He was, he was an African-American man, about six foot five, 320 pounds, big dude. Like when he walked in, I'm not saying like muscular, more like chubby, but the kind of chubby you don't want to mess with. Like dude yeah, walked right. like a boss. He had like the boss waddle. This, this swag. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. He's face to face with another guy from a rival gang. And in Chicago, where I went to school, everyone would kind of circle around and chant, fight, fight, fight. I'm a freshman. Stop. I don't know this what's going on. This is not real. Yep. And... I'll never forget, right before any punch was thrown, two guys jumped out of the crowd, and they were a part of Barrett's gang. And because Barrett was high up, they, they started beating this other rival Where gang member. Where were the member. teachers? Yeah, they couldn't get through. And started beating this guy with um, literal sticks. They had sticks in their hands. And I mean, there was blood. The ambulance came. Those guys were literally arrested by police officers. The one dude was taken out on a stretcher. I mean, all you this- You were a freshman. Freshman. Oh. And I'll never forget this picture of watching Barrett. As all the commotion was happening, he, and he was he the one never, initiated. He never threw a punch, but he's just walking down the Chicago hallway with his waddle, and he just walked right out the doors. I remember thinking, like, dear God, like, are gangster. we in a movie? Yeah, that's a bona fide gangster. This was the school I went to. Gangsters, drug the dealers. School your parents needed to take you out of. <laughs> oh man, well, we didn't <laughs> have a choice. I'll never forget um, one of the weeks at the cafeteria room as a freshman, and I was horizontally challenged, okay? I have a love affair with Twinkies that most people will never understand. And forget you guys. Every time so you I remember say that, sitting, it's just funny. It doesn't matter. I remember sitting in this cafeteria, and there was this guy. He was a drug dealer. His name was Matt. He was a senior, super shady looking, tall, always wore leather jackets. Everyone knew he was a drug dealer. I honestly, to this day, don't know how the teachers didn't know that Matt was a drug dealer. But we all knew he was a drug dealer. And Matt's the kind of guy you don't look at you don't you know, make eye contact with. Was he He's, a senior? Was he yeah, a junior? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was a senior. Um, and he always rolled with the crew. You know, it was like it was like the drug dealing gang or whatever. You just you kind of you avoid Matt the drug dealer at all costs. Totally. I'm sitting there one day. I'm eating my lunch. You know, I got my sandwich out. I got my you know whatever got your Twinkies. And yeah, I'm, and um, a, a French fry hits me in the head. And at first, I'm just like, "Wow, God's raining down blessings." <laughs> I'm saying, like, I love French fries, so I kind of eat it. No, that's <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Yeah. Hey, I was horizontally challenged. I mean, you get free French fries. You, you can't, <laughs> you can't let that experience go. Cafeteria ones. Oh god. But then again, boom! And it dawned on me, and I heard snickering. Oh, somebody's throwing, throwing French, French fries. fries at me. Now, uh-uh. I'm not a pushover. I turn around to be like, "No way!" Only to find it's Matt, the drug dealer, and his cronies, and they're laughing. And so I'm this so scared. Kid's I had a couple freshman buddies who were sitting next to me who we didn't really know each other, but we sat together so that we all felt like we were connected. Both of them kind of like push aside and it's just me. And they continue to like 
to throw French fries at me. And I turn around at one point. I'm like, hey, guys. And I'm like, I'm laughing. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Thanks for the French fries. That's awesome. I'm super hungry. So um, you guys. um, I'm good now. Hey, I'm good. You don't have to throw them anymore. And I say something like that. And Matt, the drug dealer, looks at me and goes, hey, fatty, shut up and turn around. No. To which I shut up and turned around, right? Because it's like, what are you going to do? It's freaking Matt, the drug dealer. And so I'll like, never where's forget. Where's your brother? Like, your this sisters. happens like, every single day, Jen. Every single day for an entire week, Monday through Friday. I mean, where was Vic the sound chick? Your sister. Vic was in middle school oh, learning okay. to smoke cigarettes. Oh my God, that's real talk. <laughs> we can talk about that okay. later. <laughs> uh, um, I. I get home on a Friday night. I am so shook. I am like terrorized. I have been bullied. I am, they're just chucking hot mess. Yeah. food at me. Oh, yeah. And my dad sees me and he's like, what is wrong with you? And I just bust out crying. I'm like, dad, I don't know what to do. Because <laughs> Matt, the drug dealer, is throwing french fries at me. Oh <laughs> and he's, he, I like the french fries at first, but now I don't. Oh, and I don't want them anymore. You know, I'm like, my dad is like, my God, son. Pull yourself together. And he goes, go to the garage. To which I think he's just going to beat me because I'm such a wimp. And we come out there and he's like, know, what is happening? Bullied. I'm like, dad, I don't know what to do. These guys are so mean and everyone's laughing at me. And he's like, so my dad proceeds to teach me what we call the six inch punch. Yeah, he's a gangster. Oh, yeah. He's this like, guy. oh, this isn't going to happen. You are not a punching such bag. Such a good dad. So he teaches me how to, you know, Oh, I don't know. Hit right. Mobilize Get ready another individual. Essentially kill him. So all weekend long, I am practicing with my brother Joey, six inch punch. Like I'm gonna take this guy out. And my dad's like, You just catch him when he doesn't see, you hit him right in the nose. It's gonna it's gonna make the tear ducts. He's not gonna be able to see because you hit him in the nose, it makes him cry. And then once you do that, Billy, I'm like, then what do I do? He's like, then swing. Get him with a roundhouse right in the side of the face, hit him in the jaw. When he falls on the ground, play to your advantage, jump on him, sit on him, oh and God. beat him till you know I'm like so I mean and some of you are probably like Stop. This is terrible. Take okay, notes, well, Take you didn't notes. grow up where I grew up, so <laughs> so I love my dad for this. So he taught me this whole like how to fight. And my dad was a a black beret in Vietnam, and he could kill a man with three moves. I actually he was like, Dad, can you tell me how to kill him? He's like, No, <laughs> no. <laughs> now I know. Punch him in the Just throat. Take it far <laughs> enough, but not too far. This is so violent. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Next Monday, I get there, and I'm like, This is it, man. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm taking down Matt the drug dealer. Oh, no gosh. more French fries. All until we get to lunch and then all my courage goes away. And then I'm sitting in lunch and I'm literally praying to Jesus, Lord, if you get me out of this, I will serve you all my life. <laughs> you know, like, I'll give you my first Is that why I'm a pastor son. now for 22 years? Maybe. Yes. Um, like I'm literally like, I'm like in a foxhole in Vietnam. Like, God, if you get me out. <laughs> you know, I was so scared. Ever. 40 minutes went by. The lunch period's only 45. And I thought that's it. Like you, God you is real until... Literally, I kid you not. I wish I was making this up. A ketchup bun hits the back of my head and slides down. He threw a whole freaking burger at me. Just chucked his sandwich my, at me. My gut is, my heart is <laughs> sinking right now. And that's when I realized that's it. I have to, I have to do this. So I turn around and I'm like, hey, Matt. I'm going to have to ask you to stop throwing freaking stuff at my face. Now, that's how in my mind I thought it would come out. Yeah, right. It sounded of like, excuse me, please, Mr. Drug Dealer. Could you, could you, if, you if it's okay with you, maybe, maybe perchance, could you please stop throwing food? You know, like, and he just goes, shut up, fatty. No. To which I realized, like, this oh, is it. Moment of angry. truth. Moment of truth. I'm like, um, uh, so I'm like, if you don't, we have to take this outside. 
I'm going to have to settle it like men. Again, that's how it kind of came out in my head. <laughs> it more sounded like, if you please don't do this, then I'm going to have to take you outside and you could beat me up really bad. <laughs> you know, like that's Seriously. the truth of the story. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to strike fear into his heart and he's like, let's go. Boom. He no. stands up. All of his buddies stand up. I'll never forget this, man. You could hear like a collective a groan in the whole lunchroom. I'm like, I'm dead. I'm a what? dead man walking. This guy's going to kill me. I will never forget this. True story. As we stand up and I'm walking to my death. It literally walking to your Barrett, death. I've never met him. The gangster guy. Grabs Matt by the shirt and you're Meth- not making the. I, oh, you would no think this is a movie. Methodically begins to pull him face first across these lunch tables, which they just line the whole cafeteria, and just takes his time. Doesn't even do anything. And all of Matt's buddies, they don't do anything because what are you going to do, man? That's Barrett. That is, and he pulls him like food is falling, drinks are falling, teachers aren't doing anything. Everyone gets up, and Barrett doesn't go fast because Barrett can take his time because he's, he's a gangster. Barrett. And he pulls him all the way across, drops him at the end of the table. The entire lunchroom is quiet. The entire lunchroom. There are police officers that stand around, and they're not doing anything. And Barrett turns to me, and he says, you're welcome, kid. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Literally to which I'm like, saved your life. thank you, and I run out. Of, you know, I just, I left the cafeteria. And to wow. this day, I never met Barrett. I don't know if he's alive. Probably Barrett, isn't. Barrett, if you're like, out there. Yeah, thanks, Barrett. We want to take you to dinner. But I remember, I remember thinking to myself, what? Like, where was Barrett last week, Monday through Friday? And I don't know what motivated this gangster to stand up on my behalf, but I think it was this. The whole week before, he never showed up. He's there. He's in that cafeteria. But I just sat there, took it, just like, that's it. I'm a victim. I'm just, I'm being bullied. And I I am guessing the moment that I decided, like, no. Change. I'm going to stand up to this. Mm. I'm not going to do this. It inspired that guy. Just to be like, oh, I'm going I'm to work on your behalf. And I just think sometimes we have to move, position. change our position. It'll change the whole circumstance. It definitely gave Barrett a different perspective. So He's good. like, I'm going to defend this dude. Yeah. Like, I clearly was going to be killed. Like, they were going to beat me up so bad. I knew that. I may have got a couple punches in, but it changed his perspective. It changed the whole It was like your outcome. movement created momentum in the right direction. It created change. That's awesome. That's such a great way to say it, babe. Our movement can create momentum in the right direction. Um, and to kind of finish this talk, I, I always wonder, is there always going to be a happily ever after? Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. into that story. You're like, oh my goodness, make a movie. I want to. And if you're out there, I'll take a sponsor, right? Like yeah. that was a happily ever after. Is there always a silver lining in the clouds? In People are like, yo, mm-hmm. there's just silver. I, I actually don't think it always does end happily ever after. I don't think that's true. I think if that were the case, then, you know. We would just, we would just have no problems, right? Yeah. 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 I think it does end bad. I think people actually, injustice does happen. I think there after. is pain that there's no explanation right. for this right. side of heaven. Um, so my answer is like, is there, is it, is there always a silver lining? Does it always end good? No. no. But I would say this, there's always hope. Mm-hmm. There is always mm-hmm. hope. There is always hope that, and for us, it would be God, that God is working on our behalf, that God is helping us where we can't help ourselves, ourselves. that somehow we're in a bad situation, or but God, deep pain. the sorrow, yes. the gangster in the sky, yep. he is the original Godfather, is standing up on our behalf. He's fighting on our behalf and what we can't see, just He's because make a way. you can't yep. see it doesn't mean it's not there. Okay. The sun's out today in Seattle. I'm so grateful for that. But for a few months, there will be no sun. 
Just because we don't see the sun doesn't mean there's not doesn't right. mean the sun's not there. The shadow, in fact, proves the sunshine. Yep. That's so great. It's so well said. And, and, you know, I even think sometimes you have to move in such a way to create your happily ever after. Yeah. And I really do. I think it's a decision. Sometimes we have to just dig deep and force ourselves to say, you know what? It's not going well. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to, I'm going to create movement to get to where I know I need to go. And here's my hope. If you're listening to this podcast and maybe you're in a difficult season, I just, Mm -hmm. I hope that you'll realize that there is hope Mm -hmm. and you may not see that right now, but that doesn't mean that there's not hope in the midst of whatever it is you're going through. And for some of you, maybe it is just as practical and as life-changing. It's like change your position, move so that, so that things can begin to shift. If you change your position, your perspective might shift, and that in and of itself might reveal a purpose. Can I say this back to the Barrett story as we close? Um, the next week when I saw Matt, the drug dealer, he was still a drug dealer, but I did not see him the same way. Wow. I wasn't scared of that guy. Yep. Why? Because I had actually stood up to him and then someone stood up for me. And I was like, dude, yeah, you're a drug dealer, but you don't him. scare me. Yep. He never again Messed with bullied you. me. Why would he? I changed. I made it. I made a change that changed the whole perspective. The guy who scared me to death and had me shoving Twinkies in my face, you know, to kind of compensate was now like, that was my victory. And you making that small change saying yep. to the drug dealer, hey, let's go out and make a fight. They created. <laughs> I don't think it, I said it like that. Well, in your little hey, mind. Hey man, let's go out and make a fight. <laughs> but he, that, that triggered the momentum of, of Barrett responding yeah, yeah. to that, that faith yeah. and that leap of like, okay, I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to, wow. I'm going to change. So, wow, that's so well said. Well, thanks for listening. Here's to shadows. Shadows. And then proving the sunshine. Thank you. All right. Have a great one. Thanks for joining us today on Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Hey, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and we would love to hear from you. You can leave a review, rate us, or follow us on social media at Billy's Mafia. Here's to more coffee and honest conversations. Cheers. Cheers.